0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing the 2023 John Deere Classic, a.k.a. the JDC. This is a long-running event on the PGA Tour schedule. Should be a good one. Um, Gotta be honest, though, the field's not too hot. It's not the best field we've seen uh, at this tournament, or really it's it's kind of one of the worst fields we've seen on the PGA Tour this season. But that doesn't matter. There's still plenty of opportunities to have some fun with the John Deere Classic. It's always a good tournament. It's very uh, aesthetically pleasing course to watch on TV. It is one that I do enjoy. So... No matter what kind of action you've got on the John Deere Classic this week, we've got you covered here on this preview. We're going to talk about uh, DFS, whether you're playing on DraftKings or FanDuel. We're going to talk about outright bets, and we are going to talk about one and done as well. So no matter what your game is, we've got it covered here on this preview in 30 minutes or less. That is the guarantee. Now... How we're gonna do that, we're gonna start by breaking down the course itself and then we're gonna talk about some different golfers that should be in your DFS lineups or on your betting cards or under consideration for your one and done team this week. Now, before we get started though, I do have to tell you, if you're watching on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. It really does help me out a lot. It shows me more support than you could ever know, uh, and it really helps the videos get noticed. Really helps the channel grow, and I really do appreciate it. If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever else you get your podcast, please rate and review. Again, it shows me a lot of support. Really helps me out, and I really do appreciate it. And if you subscribe, you'll be notified when new episodes drop. The next episode that we have upcoming, we are going to be talking Live Golf tomorrow. Uh, Live London is coming up. Uh, So we're going to be breaking that one down uh, and talking about our picks for that one, as well as kind of reviewing the last Live event at Live Valderrama, even though I I think they ended up changing the name to Live Andalusia by the time the week was over. Either way, the one that happened in Spain, we're going to talk about that one, recap it a bit, and then we're going to be breaking down our picks for Live London. Also we don't just do golf content here. We do fantasy football content as well. And we've got our team preview series that are up on the YouTube channel and in the podcast feed. We're going to be breaking down all 32 NFL teams and what you can expect from them for the 2023 season from a fantasy perspective and what our ranks are for each of that team's individual players. We've got the whole AFC West done and we started on the NFC East today. So check that out in the podcast feed if you missed it. All right. So with all that being said, Go ahead and put 30 minutes on the timer, and let's go ahead and get started with this preview. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. Mm All right. So let's go ahead and kick things off by talking about the course itself. So the John Deere Classic is played at TPC Deer Run. Now, I don't know enough about it to know if the course was named in honor of the event or or the sponsor, but it is kind of convenient how that works out, right? Either way, TPC Deer Run is in Silvis, Illinois, which is in the Quad Cities area. I'm not super familiar with the geography, but I was told that that was important to note that it was in the Quad Cities region. So, TBC deer run is a par 71. It's a little over 7,200 yards on the scorecard. If you're looking at the scorecard, there are only three par fives, but all three are scoreable. Routinely, guys who finish well here and guys who win here score on these par fives very well. It's super critical to make birdies on these par fives because they're not really very difficult. The par fours, there's just a lot of middling, like medium length par fours. There's not really a whole lot of par fours that are under 380 yards or over 480 yards. So you're just looking a lot of medium length par force. And there's actually a decent amount of dog legs on this course and a few forced layups, meaning that you're going to look at some of these holes where a lot of these guys, no matter how far they drive the ball off the tee, they're going to be hitting their tee shot to the same general area, which means they're going to have the same general approach shot. So distance is not a super advantage this week. There are some holes where you can take advantage of it. There are some par fives where the longer guys can reach into, but there's just not really a whole lot of separation this week in terms of distance, which is why you've seen a lot of shorter hitters here have won in the past, like Steve Stray. Zach Johnson, JT Poston last year. Um, So distance is not a prerequisite for winning at this course. The way to win at this course is by being elite with the clubs in your bag from the middle irons down. You know, like I said, you're going to have a lot of Medium to short length approach shots. And so, if you're good with your middle irons, if you're good with your short irons, and especially with your wedges, and then you can catch a hot putter, that is the path to success here this week at deer run. There's not going to be a whole lot of long approach shots that you're going to have to be dealing with. And so, if you're just good with every club in your back from middle irons down, that is the path to success here at TPC. deer run you, you do not really have to be elite here with the driver, the fairways are wider than average. And like I mentioned, with the amount of dog legs and forced layups, uh, there's not really a whole lot you can gain by being elite with the driver this week but by being elite with those irons and wedges you're going to give yourself good looks at birdie which is what is going to absolutely be necessary to win here is to make birdies the winning scores in the last five years have ranged anywhere from minus 19 to minus 27 which um that's quite a lot under par. That's a lot of birdies that you're gonna to have to be making if you want to win this tournament. So at the end of the day, you're gonna want somebody who has the capability to get red hot with the irons and wedges and give them good looks at birdie and then get hot with the putters so that way they can make those looks at birdie. Now, one thing that I do think is worth bringing up is that one of the unique features of this course is the amount of uneven lies that you're going to have to deal with. Like, you can hit a perfectly good shot in the middle of the fairway here at this course, and you're gonna have an uphill, downhill, or side hill lie one way or the other. And some guys are just better at adjusting to those than, than others. Like, there's no real stat for it, there's no real way to quantify it, but there's just guys that are better at these shots than others. And so when I think of these non-flat lies, the courses that come to mind, Augusta, Kapalua, TBC Scottsdale. I think those are the three places where it really hits the most. And you look at guys that have had success there, like Scotty Scheffler's one at TBC Scottsdale and um, Augusta National. But, you know, Scotty Scheffler's not in this event. I don't know if he's ever played this event. The two that really matter in terms of that crossover success, Jordan Spieth, won this event it was his first win on tour it has had a lot of success at scottsdale kapalua and augusta zach johnson has won here has a lot of success at augusta he's won the masters so it's kind of a bonus this week i'm not necessarily saying that they're comp courses because they're obviously vastly different setups but i do think that there's a little bit of crossover it is a little bit of a bonus if somebody has had success at augusta kapalua or tbc scottsdale but at the end of the day this is just another in the summer swing Where we're in the American Midwest, we're at an easy golf course, and and guys are going to have to make birdies to win. If you think that that sounds familiar. Think back to last week, the Rocket Mortgage Classic, Detroit Golf Club. Very easy golf course, wider fairways than average, slightly smaller greens than average, but a lot of birdies necessary to win. That's going to be the case here again this week. So if we're talking official comp courses, I think just, you know, some of the other birdie fests are going to be good comps for this. I think the Rocket Mortgage last week is a good comp um, at Detroit Golf Club. I think the RBC Canadian Open is a good comp at Oakdale this year. Um, And then I think the one with the most correlated success is going to be the Travelers Championship, TPC River Highlands. You know, Jordan Spieth has won both those tournaments. You've seen a lot of guys finish near the top of this leaderboard and that leaderboard as well. Um, and so, I think that that is probably the most natural course comp. In, in a more broad sense, though, I do think that um, just about any short course or any easy course can be used as you know a partial comp for this one. So. I'm on rickrungood.com here looking at the custom model, and I just want to talk about what I think are some of the key stats for this tournament before I talk about who ended up popping in my model using those stats. So this is going to be pure bent grass putting surfaces, Um, and so some of the guys that are good at putting on bent grass, you're going to have to be good at putting this week if you want to win this tournament, so I do think putting is a key stat. Some of the guys that are best at putting on bent grass, you got Trevor Cohn, Taylor Montgomery, Denny McCarthy, Bo Hostler, and Justin Lauer as the top five. Now, I ended up loading in straight Strokes gained Augusta National, even though not a lot of guys in this field have played at Augusta National, and it gave me kind of a weird list. Um, Jonas Blixt was number one. Ricky Barnes number two. Now, those strokes gained for Ricky Barnes are probably from like 2007. Um, Harry Higgs is number three. Matt Kuchar number four. Russell Henley number five. That was an important note that I thought is that Russell Henley has had some success at Augusta National. Now, strokes gained TPC Deer Run is another one that I loaded in. Just in total, how well have guys played this event? Top five was Christian Bizzetti. Zayden Hoot, Emiliano Grillo, Callum Tarran, Russell Henley, and Zach Johnson. Um, I also loaded in, in terms of other comp courses, I loaded in strokes gained easy courses. Top five is Cameron Young, Taylor Montgomery, Taylor Moore, Eric Cole, and Ludwig Aberg. I also liked strokes gained short courses as a good, you know, kind of correlation as well. Top five in that, Ryan Gerard, Taylor Montgomery, Russell Henley, Chris Kirk and Michael Thorbjornson, although Thorbjornson's on a very small sample size, so if you extended it by one, Seamus Power would have been number six on that one. Now, in terms of the individual stats, birdie or better gained is another one that I looked at because basically that's saying these guys are making more birdies than the rest of the field, which is what you're going to need if you want to win this week. Top five in that stat were Eric Cole, Peter Quest, Taylor Moore, Nick Taylor, and Mark Hubbard. Good drive percentage is also another one I looked at because while I don't think that you have to be elite off the tee to win this event, you are gonna have to you know put yourself either in the fairway or fairway adjacent where you're gonna give yourself a chance to hit the green. So top five in good drive percentage were Kevin Yu, Ryan Armour, Satoshi Kodaira, Sean O'Hare, and Russell Henley, which was a really weird list of names on that one. Um, and then I also like opportunities gained and opportunities plus gained. So opportunities and opportunities plus, that's basically saying, Opportunities is did you give yourself by one way or another a 15-foot or less birdie putt on any given hole? Opportunities plus is a 10-foot or less birdie putt on any given hole. So for opportunities gained, the top five were Ryan Palmer, Kevin Yu, Ben Martin, Eric Cole, and Marty Doe. And then opportunities plus gained was Eric Cole, Steven Yeager, Jeff Ogilvie. I think some of those numbers are coming from the Champions Tour, though. Kevin Yu and Patrick Rogers as the top five. Sixth was Ryan Palmer, if you want to um, extend you know, the, the Jeff Ogilvie spot. So now, if you want to look at that model as a whole, my top 10 golfers ended up popping out to be Adam Hadwin, Seamus Power, Emiliano Grillo, Russell Henley, Matt Kuchar, Chris Kirk, Mark Hubbard, Denny McCarthy, Keith Mitchell, and Eric Cole. It ended up being kind of a fairly chalky model, if I'm being honest, where we had a lot of the high price guys in this tournament. The one thing I do think I don't think I emphasized recent form enough, um, so I do think I might go back and tweak it. But looking at my, you know, the, my key stats, the stats that I think matter at this golf course, um, those are the guys that ended up coming out on. It. All right, so now, instead of talking about the course, let's see if we can not talk about some individual golfers um, and kind of figure out who we need to be targeting this week. So, um, again, still on rickrungood.com if you're looking on YouTube. uh, I am looking at the cheat sheet here, if it would load. Um, So at the top of the board this week, of came as no surprise to me. Um, it ended up being Denny McCarthy and Russell Henley at the very tip top of the board this week. I expect both of those guys to end up being very popular. Um, and I do expect both of them to end up being pretty good plays this week uh, and guys that are highly owned and highly thought of. And, um, you know, just guys that are the most solid plays this week. It did not shock me at all that those two ended up being the top two in the DraftKings salary. So uh, another thing that I like to do this week when when you're thinking about constructing um, a lineup in an event like this, you know, there's not as much separation between between the guys at the very top and the guys that are kind of in the mid-range this week because the guys that are at the top this week are normally in the mid-range in any other week or in an elevated event or a major. So I, I just think that, you know, when I build my lineups, Uh, For a weaker field event, I am trying to find where the cliff is or or where the cliffs, plural, end up being because I want to make sure that I get guys that um, not necessarily are fairly priced, but I think are better than the ones around them, right? So I think if you look this week and, and you're looking down this list of names, I think the first cliff happens right here after Emiliano Grillo on DraftKings at $9,200. Uh, and so I think what a lot of people are probably going to do is to get two guys above that cliff, above You know, at Emiliano Grillo or above, I think you're going to see a lot of lineup constructions that start with two guys above that because I really do think there's a difference between Emiliano Grillo and Seamus Power. More on that when we get to it. And and then I think the second cliff happens all the way down at $7,100 on DraftKings. I think a lot of people, when they construct their lineups, will probably not even go below that $7,100 numbers and will just kind of ignore the 7,000s and the 6K range. I think that's quite a possibility this week because. I think the six K range this week is pretty ugly, so I think a lot of people might dip down to seventy one hundred dollars on DraftKings um, at the very bottom. Now, if you're outright betting this week, this is not a week to be a number snob, to you know, to kind of turn your nose and say, "Oh, I'm getting Denny McCarthy at eighteen to one." Like, yeah, it is Denny McCarthy at eighteen to one because at this event, he is the best player, you know. So, um, this is not a week to kind of thumb your nose at the numbers, but it is one to kind of see if you can find a guy who's at a good number. Who has a good profile for the course and ends up fitting. So let's go ahead and start with the first guy on the board, Denny McCarthy. So I really like Denny McCarthy this week. I'm probably going to be playing Denny and Henley in lineups this week, not necessarily together, but both of them in as a part of my DraftKings and FanDuel lineups in DFS. So if you look at Denny's profile. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Denny is one of the elite putters of the golf ball on this planet, and and that bears itself out in the stat profile. He pretty much always gains strokes putting. No matter what tournament it is, no matter what grass surface it is, he's going to be good with the putter, which is a skill set that we want on a birdie fest track like this one where he's going to have to make birdies, And, and the putter is going to be the way that you're going to make birdies. Now, also, what I do like about Denny is that he's generally such a good putter that as long as he's not just absolutely terrible in the ball striking or around the green, he's still going to make the cut and he's still going to give you a good result. The U.S. Open, he finished T20 and he was pretty much neutral off the tee and on approach, but he was so good at chipping and putting, he was able to cash in with a T20 finish at the U.S. Open. I, I really like Denny's profile. And then if we look at the courses that Denny plays the best and look at this little graph here, you know, you got Pebble Beach, which is a short course. Um, TPC Southwind and Corrales, not really what I'm looking for. Meerfield Village is another bent grass course like this one, so I do like that one. Sedgefield is a short course. Um, Innisbrook Copperhead, not not a long course. And then he has played this course TBC. Deer Run played pretty, plenty well. Um, also, um, when you look at his results at this tournament, he did come in sixth place here last year, and he did gain strokes across the board. So I really do like Danny McCarthy this week. Now, next up is Russell Henley, who is second on the DraftKings board in pricing. Uh, And when you look at what Russell Henley's been doing, he's just been super consistent, right? Just with his finishes, he's been top 24 events in a row now, which includes a major at the U.S. Open. Um, He's just kind of super steady, right? Like He's not any lead driver of the golf ball, but he can be a very good iron player, um, which he has shown recently. And the putter can be hit or miss, but he generally is better on bent grass greens. And his history at this event has been really good also. Um, He's played it twice in the last seven or eight years. Um, He came in second in 2019 uh, and then T11 in 2021. The 2019 John Deere Classic, Michael Kim won that event and just ran away with it and beat everybody by like eight strokes. So it's quite possible that in any other year, Russell Henley would have been good enough to win that tournament. Now, if you do look at this courses button for Russell Henley, this is what we really like to see, right? Um, And so... The courses that he is the best at. Oh, I have to uncheck a box here. Give me one second. The, uh, the courses that he is the best at, it's a lot of courses that fit the profile of TPC deer run, right? Like TPC deer runs his number one course. A uh, second is Sedgefield, another short course. PGA National, which is another short course. Uh, Eastlake. Not necessarily a short course, but it is a par 70. TPC River Highlands is also high, and Wyalai is also high form. And then he's also pretty good at Augusta. And so there is a little bit of evidence to show us that he is pretty good at dealing with these slopey lies that you're going to see here at TPC Deer Run. So I really do like Russell Henley this week. Now, Ludwig A. Burke is kind of... An interesting case. I was hoping he wouldn't be priced that high because I don't know how much I'm going to be playing of him at that price. Yes, he is very talented. Yes, he is an elite golfer. Have we seen him truly contend and try to win a golf term on the PGA Tour yet? No. Is he an elite approach player in his young career on the PGA Tour? No is, you know, he putter on his young career on the PGA Tour. Now, so I think there's going to be other spots where I will go back to and play Ludwig, but but I don't think it's going to be this week at a price tag of $10,100 on DraftKings. I think I'll let other people kind of play him this week. Now, Cameron Young is the last golfer in the $10,000 range, and we do have to talk about Cam Young. So what we know about Cam Young and his young PGA Tour career is that he is generally an elite driver of the golf ball, right? And that's still kind of the case. He's still been pretty good off the tee in the last two months, but every other aspect of his game has just kind of been gone. With, with the exception of the match play, he's been pretty bad in approach, um, and then he's been really bad with the putter. And And so I just don't think that that's the formula for success here at the John Deere. And, and this is not the type of track where his length and his ability with the driver is going to be a huge advantage for him. So I, I don't know if Cameron Young really makes sense at this course. However, I've said this on the podcast numerous times as well. DFS is weird where sometimes the guys that are quote-unquote bad plays end up becoming good plays because nobody plays them. And so if everybody in the industry continues to be downplaying Cam Young and off of Cam Young like I am, then maybe he's going to come in lower-owned. Maybe he's going to be a good sleeper play as a low-owned, high-priced option because we know he's super talented, but we also know that his game is just you know kind of going in all different directions right now. So if – Wednesday comes around and it does seem like everybody's fading Cameron Young, then I do think he is a very solid option. Adam Hadwin coming off the runner-up. You know, the play-up lot loss at the Rocket Mortgage. I don't mind him at all. Um, However, the guy in the 9K range that I'm really going to be targeting the most of this week is going to be Eric Cole. Um, And so you look at what Eric Cole's done. First off, he played pretty much every week for like a three-month stretch, which is insanely impressive. Uh, And then last week, he did not play at the Rocket Mortgage, but I heard he played in like a mini tour event um, because of like a buddy who Died. I, I don't quote me on that, um, but he ended up like winning and donating money to charity. So good on you, Eric Cole. Hopefully, karma can um, you know shine down on Eric Cole for that one. And in really he might not even need karma he's playing that well right he's just been really really good lately he's a really good approach player so much to the point that even when he doesn't have it off the tee or even when he doesn't have it with the putter he is still able to turn in good finishes like the Byron Nelson he lost two strokes putting still came in t23 that was another birdie fest right uh the PGA championship was neutral with the putter but was so good in the ball striking and around the green but he was able to come in t15 at a major and then you see week like the RBC canadian open where the putter really connects another bent grass green course by the way um, where he gains six strokes putting and he ends up coming in t6 for the tournament when you look at his courses list and the courses that he excels at it's a lot of courses very similar in one way or another to tpc deer run pga national which is the honda classic short golf course Vidantify art to the mexico open easy golf course pebble beach short golf course Pete Dye. Stadium course, the American Express, easy golf course, TBC River Highlands, we mentioned is one of the best corollaries for this one. So all the courses that he's the best at are all the courses that have some similarities to TBC Deer Run. So I really, really like Eric Cole this week. Now, Adam Shank, I do want to mention, he is kind of like the... Um, the boomer bust play this week. When you look at his recent results, he's pretty much either coming in the top 10 or missing the cut. And when you look at his history at the John Deere, he's either coming in the top 10 or he is missing the cut. He has the capability of getting really hot with the irons and really hot with the putter, which could be a good combination this week unless they're cold. And he ends up missing the cut. But I do think he's a very interesting, non-safe option um, in DFS. I think he's good for tournaments. Um, if you're betting, I I think he's a very solid bet to win the tournament. However, I'm not putting him in any kind of made cut parlay or any kind of top 20 bet. I think he's either gonna come out here and like you know, come in top five or win the thing, or he's gonna miss the cut. Those are like the two outcomes. Now, Taylor Moore is a guy that I like a lot this week, also. Um, however, What concerns me a little bit is the fact that at the Rocket Mortgage, he came in T4 and it was like all putter. He ended up gaining 10 strokes putting. However, the rest of the game wasn't bad. And so even though he had come in off of three missed cuts, those were three weeks where he was objectively bad with the putter, and all he did was flip the putter around at the Rocket Mortgage, and he ends up coming in T4. And so if he can kind of keep the putter going, which he has shown in his young PGA tour career that he is a good putter of the golf ball, if he can keep the putter going, I do think Taylor Moore has a really good chance um, to give a good finish this week. Now looking back at the cheat sheet, um, after Taylor Moore, Emiliano Grillo is the guy that I have gone back and forth on. He's just very hard to figure out. So Emiliano Grillo, in his PGA Tour career, has always been an elite ball striker. He's always pretty good in the ball striking categories in terms of strokes gained. However, he has been, for the most part, objectively bad with the putter and objectively bad around the green. Well, if you look at what he's done recently, he's been objectively good with the putter. Even when he misses the cut, like, he's been good with the putter. So I don't really know what to make of him because, like, at the same time, you know, A, is, is this success with the putter likely to continue? Maybe. B... You know, if he doesn't have the success with the putter, is he good enough in the ball striking to offset that? Yes, that's what he was doing for year after year after year, and now in 2023, now he's found the putter. So he's a very interesting case, and you're going to have to make the decision on that on your own if you think that he can keep it up with the putter or if you think that the putter doesn't even matter for Grillo. One thing I do think is worth noting with Grillo is he does have a fairly decent um, history here, albeit limited. He came in second place last year, and he gained four strokes putting here last year. And he was not putting as well coming into this tournament last year um, as he is right now. So I do think Emiliano Grillo, a lot of upside, but very difficult to figure out this week. All right, so now I mentioned the Cliff earlier, and now it's kind of after Emiliano Grillo. And so what, what I think that means is I think that a lot of people are going to avoid Seamus Power. I think he's going to be an underowned player this week. Now Seamus Power recently has been pretty bad. He's missed three out of his last four cuts. He's lost strokes in approach in his last four events, but he's not that far removed from a good finish at the Byron Nelson, where he was really good on approach, or you know a T eighteen at the Wells Fargo, where he was decent on approach and very good with the putter. And so, with Seamus Power, I think it matters more to him what course he's at than. Um, you know, how he's playing. I think there's courses that he fits better. Like he's not a long hitter off the tee. He can be an elite iron and wedge player. And so if you look at the courses he's played well, you know, TPC Craig Ranch is number one. That is a birdie fest. Grand Reserve, that's the Puerto Rico Open. That is another birdie fest. Keen Trace, I believe that is the Barbasol, another birdie fest, right? Quail Hollow does not fit that description. But next up is TPC Deer Run. Um, And so when you look at Seamus Power, I think that he generally does pretty well at short courses and at birdie fests, so I do think this could be a pretty good week to go back to him. If you look at his overall history here, he's never missed the cut at this event, and he does have three separate top 25 finishes. He's also never lost strokes putting at this event, so I do think that this sets up pretty well for Seamus Power. Now, the 8K range on DraftKings. I think there are some hidden gems in this range. I think there's going to be some guys that are under-owned um, and some guys that are kind of passed over because of where their prices are at. Um, and so Alex Smalley and Steven Yeager are both worth mentioning because of how they're both playing recently. Um, Smalley coming in off the ninth of the Travelers and the 47th at the Rocket Mortgage. He's really flipped the putter around, He and he is a— verifiably good approach player. And so I do think this could be a very good spot for Alex Smalley. He came in 16th place here last year. Steven Yeager shot up the leaderboard at the Rocket Mortgage on Sunday and finished in ninth. Steven Yeager is another good approach player who hits a lot of greens and he gives himself a lot of a lot of opportunities. If you remember from the custom model, he showed up on both of those opportunities and opportunities plus gained. So I do think this could be a good spot for Steven Yeager. Sepp Straka is worth mentioning because he is a guy who can get hot with the irons and, you know, just have these spike weeks in terms of strokes gained approach, like he did at the PGA when he came in seventh. Uh, And so, you know, this could be the week where if Sepp gets hot, he could end up winning the tournament. Uh, So I think that he merits mention for that reason. But the guy that I think is the most interesting in the 8K range is a guy who his recent form has totally flipped around from what he was about a year ago, and that is Doug Gim. Doug Gim has just been really, really good lately. If you look at his last five events, he hasn't finished worse than 33rd in any of them, Uh, and there have been some decent fields that he's played in. Right, The Travelers was an elevated event, Wells Fargo was an elevated event, and you look at how he's doing it. The putter has been inconsistent, but it hasn't mattered because he's been so good in the ball striking categories. And so if he's going to continue to ball strike it like this, I don't really care what the putter does for Doug Yim. He's going to end up giving you a good tournament. And I really like the price tag he's at at $8,000. If you look at his history at this event, He missed the cut here last year, but like I said, his game was in an entirely different spot. But in 2021, where his game was in a better spot, he gained nine strokes in the ball striking categories, lost over a stroke putting, but still came in T18 for the tournament. So I really, really like Doug Gim this week. He's going to be a guy who's probably going to be in a lot of my lineups. However, as we get closer to Locke, I do think it's likely that he's going to end up being one of the higher-owned players because I think a lot of people are recognizing that his game is in a much different spot than it was uh, earlier this year or a year ago. All right, so now, if we keep looking at the 7K range at DraftKings. Chez Revi is a guy that I think is worth mentioning. Chez Revi is the closest thing on the PGA Tour to a short course expert. When you look at his finishes, Travelers Championship, fourth place, um, Canadian Open, 25th place. I, this course, 18th place in 2021. He's good at short courses, and his game is in a good spot right now where he's made six straight cuts. And, and so I do think Chez Revi is a guy that is worth going back to. Mark Hubbard has kind of like broken everybody's heart in the last two weeks, but if, if you're ignoring the finishes at the Rocket Mortgage and at the Travelers, he profiles great for the course. He's a verifiably great approach player um, who can get hot with the putter at times, um, and he did have really good recent form before those two missed cuts. He also finished 13th here last year, which is worth mentioning. Dylan Wu is another guy I'm going to mention. Um, so He's been pretty good in three of his last four events, um, and he's a guy who Hits a lot of greens. No matter what tournament's at, Dylan Wu is going to be hitting a lot of greens. And so if you can just get a fairly cooperative putter with Dylan Wu, which he is an above average putter on the PGA Tour, then with all the greens that he's hitting, he's going to give himself plenty of opportunities that maybe just maybe he can make some of those opportunities and end up having himself a good tournament. Now, the next guy that I want to talk about is going to... Oh, I'm sorry. I almost skipped over this guy. Peter Quest is a guy that I want to talk about. So we don't have a lot of data on him because he is a young guy who is just recently um, joining the PGA Tour. So last week at the Rocket Mortgage came in fourth. And I think a lot of people were kind of like heard of who he was then. I think DraftKings figured out who he was then because he previously was like $6,100 and now he's $7,400. And so... Um, I think he might actually be good. You know, young guy coming up, just getting his PGA Tour card was very good in college. Um, Actually, I don't think he has his card yet. I think he's playing on some sort of temporary membership. But, you know, if he continues to play well, he's going to get that PGA Tour card, right? Um, And so I think that this is a situation where he might just be more talented than all the other guys around him. It's kind of something that I've said about Ludwig and I've said about Gordon Sargent and all, a lot of guys like that recently as they've come up on the PGA Tour. I think that Peter Quest could be one of those guys as well. And so I do like the price tag at $7,400. And I like the fact that he just came in fourth place at a tournament that's a fairly similar setup to this one. Now, the next guy that I got to talk about is Callum Tarn or Callum Taran, I guess I should say. So Callum Taran. Believe it or not, the Rocket Mortgage was the best player in the field in terms of T to green, strokes gained. And he was the worst player of anybody who made the cut in terms of strokes gained putting. Back-to-back weeks, he has been elite T to green and bad with the putter. And if we could just get a good putter week with Callum Tarrant, He can win the golf tournament. What I really do like about Calum Terran also is if you look at his best courses, it's like perfectly aligned with this place. Because first off, with how he did here last year, TBC Deer Run is his best course on paper. And then second, TBC Twin Cities, okay? Another Midwestern course, Bentgrass Greens. TBC course, Birdie Fest, got it. Grain Reserve, Puerto Rico Open, Birdie Fest, cool. Detroit Golf Club, Birdie Fest, Midwest, Bentgrass Greens. Sedgefield, short course. So I I just really like the fact that You know, TBC River Highlands, another birdie fest, short course. So I really like the fact that he seems to perform well at all the courses that are similar to this one. And he's also coming in with really good form that if he can just flip the putter around, he's going to be in great shape. Now, Nick Hardy merits mention because Nick Hardy is from Illinois. He's on record for saying that he loves this course, um, and he's never missed the cut here. Even back when he was an amateur, he didn't miss the cut here, so I do think that's worth mentioning. Carson Young popped up on my model, um, and I kind of think that um, just with what we know about Carson Young, he's a guy who is a good approach player, can get really hot with the putter. That, that kind of profiles well for this course. The, the recent form is very up and down, but but I do think he's a guy who profiles pretty well for this event. Patton Kazire has good history here you know four consecutive top 30 finishes here at tpc deer Run um, merits mention for him akshay batia is a guy that he burned us at the rocket mortgage but i'm going to continue to go back to just because i believe he is supremely talented and i also believe that he is due for some regression with the putter he, he's really really bad at putting and really really good at every other aspect of his game um and so i am willing to go back to akshay especially this week now that i think you know he's kind of let people down in a few tournaments i do think that he's going to be Um, a little bit under owned. And so I do like Akshay this week. Now, lastly, we talked about this $7,100 cliff, right? Um, I think Zach Johnson kind of represents the the cliff itself um, because he has a really, really good history here at this event. He has a win here um, and he has a top five and a top 16 finish in the last five years. Um, With what we know about Zach Johnson, he's short off the tee but he's accurate as all get out. He's going to be pretty good with his irons, and he has the capability of being a good putter. Um, And so I do think that this is a pretty good spot for Zach Johnson. Um, I like him to make the cut. I don't know if he's going to give you like a top 10, top 20 finish, but I like Zach Johnson to make the cut. Now, if you're looking for objectively good putters, $7,000 $7,000 even on DraftKings, Justin Lauer is an objectively good putter. Sam Ryder is also an objectively good putter. Uh, and they both are coming in with decent recent form. Um, Lauer more so than Ryder, but Ryder more so with course history as opposed to Justin Lauer. So if you're just focusing on putting and guys who can make those birdie putts that they're going to have, those are two guys that you got to talk about. All right, so now let's see if we can find ourselves some value in the $6,000 range. So the first guy that I think can give us some value is going to be Ryan Moore because of his course history. Um, three straight top 24 finishes here. Kind of like Zach Johnson. He's a little bit on the older side, but he's supremely accurate. And he's verifiably a good iron player. And so I do think this could be a pretty good spot for Ryan Moore. But there are two other guys priced at exactly $6,900 that I like a lot this week. The first of which is Grayson Sig. So if you look at Grayson Sig's recent results, um, three straight good approach weeks. Three straight good finishes, right? The putter has been hot and cold. If we just get a hot putter, it could be a really good week for Grayson Sig. Now, also with Grayson Sig, if you look at his best courses, they do align fairly well with this one, TBC Twin Cities, Midwest, TBC Birdie Fest, got it. TBC Deer Run is also one of his best courses. If you look at his history here, he came in 16th place here last year. That's pretty good. Corrales Golf Club Birdie Fest, identify Vallarta Birdie Fest, TBC River Highlands, Travelers, we talked about how that one's correlated. So I like how all the courses set up and I like how the Irons are playing recently for Grayson Sig. Now next up is Marty Doe, aka Ze Doe. Uh, I've heard he prefers Marty though, so I'm gonna call him Marty. Either way, With what we know about Marty Doe and what we know about his best finishes. So watching Marty Doe play, he is a guy who fires at flags. And it's going to give him really good results sometimes and really bad results some other times. But I think when you look at the places he's had success at, Byron Nelson and Rocket Mortgage are his two best finishes this year. Those shape up similar for for this tournament because they're where he can be kind of wild off the tee. He can miss a little bit off the tee because fairways are a little wide. There's not a whole lot of hazards. And then he can fire at flags because he knows he's going to have to make birdies. and you know, if he's making those birdie putts, if he's hitting those shots, then he's going to be gaining strokes on approach. uh, And then he's going to be gaining strokes putting for making those birdies. And so I think that he's a guy who has a lot of upside because of his aggressive course management. And because this is a place where he can be aggressive with that course management and have it not penalized to such a heavy degree. Now, Looking further down the board, it's pretty bleak here in the $6,000 range. You got defending champ, or not defending champ, former champ Dylan Fratelli, who's been absolutely terrible this year, but he did win this event in 2019. Um, And then another guy that I want to talk about is Troy Merritt. So, Troy Merritt is a guy who tends to show up at easy golf courses, right? You look at the only places that he's made the cut recently Zurich Classic. Oh, that's also a partner event, but it's also a very easy golf course. And then the Rocket Mortgage Classic, right? And he was objectively bad with the putter at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, but he was really good in every other category, really good at the ball striking, which he was also good at the ball striking at the Travelers Championship, which he also missed the cut at. But the Travelers Championship, he lost eight strokes putting. So I do think that there's some upside for Troy Merritt because it's an easy golf course. And then lastly, I want to talk about Kelly Kraft, who has been top 40 at back-to-back events and has very good history at the John Deere Classic with a 5th in 2016, never missed the cut, uh, and then a 24th place finish last year. So if you're looking deep down the board, Kelly Kraft might be your guy. All right, now... Let's talk one-and-done a little bit now that DFS is, is kind of done through. So one-and-done this week. I do have to give my guy Zach a shout-out. He did have Ricky Fowler last week in my one-and-done, um, and he did get the um, million dollars or whatever it was for the winner. I had Hideki, which – didn't really work out. Anyway, this is a week where this is truly a stress-free one-and-done week. Nobody in this event, you should be concerned about using the rest of the PGA Tour schedule, quite frankly. like, like I can't imagine a situation where I want to use one of these guys anywhere else. Maybe Wyndham because some of these guys set up really well for Wyndham, but I don't think that should really be on your mind this week. You should be picking the guy that you think has the best chance to win the golf tournament unless you use them already. Like I've used Russell Henley in both of my on one and duns. I used him at Sony in one of them, and I used him at the Travelers in the other. No regrets on either of those two. They were pretty good finishes. Um, but Russell Henley would be a really solid pick this week. I am probably going to end up going with Denny McCarthy just because I have him available. Uh, I really like where his game's at. I really like what he's been doing. If I were to pick one guy to win, just nothing else considered, that would be my guy that I think is going to win. Um, And then the other guy that I might consider and I might talk myself into is Eric Cole. Because Eric Cole has been playing some really good golf recently. Eric Cole profiles really well for this golf course with how he's done at some other similar tracks. So I really do like Eric Cole this week also. If you're looking to be different, maybe Grillo might be that guy. Or maybe you could go down to like a Smalley or a Jaeger. Uh, to be that guy Smalley is a guy that I would consider if his form ends up being really really good heading into the late summer he's a guy I would really consider for the Wyndham as well uh, more on that when we get to Wyndham week but um, Smalley and Jaeger would probably be as outside the box as I would think um, maybe if you're really really chasing maybe Doug Gim like like if you're really having a thing outside the box if you're at the back of the pack and you want to gain some ground maybe Doug Gim might be your guy all right so that does it for the John Deere Classic 2023 preview. So whether you are watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, please like the video and hit that subscribe button. It really helps me out a lot. I really do appreciate it. Statistics say that over 80% of the people watching this video haven't liked it or haven't hit that subscribe button. Uh, If you like what you're hearing, you want more content like this and you want more people to get more content like this, please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. Please, for me. I really do appreciate it. Um, And then also, if you're listening to the podcast, please um, rate and review. Helps me out a lot also. Um, If you hit that subscribe button, you'll be notified new episodes trap. Most notably, the Live Golf episode that's going to come out tomorrow. Uh, Hopefully tomorrow if DraftKings has their salaries in order um, for Live London. So um, we got that to look forward to. If you hit that subscribe button, you'll be notified. All right. Either way. That's going to conclude this preview, so hopefully you guys got a lot of information that you needed. You're going to get a lot of help from this as you prepare whatever it is you're doing this week for the John Deere Classic. Um, Best of luck to you. Thank you guys for watching or listening, and I will see you next time.